Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Hello, everybody. It's Randy Selzer here. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Jess Lunavel is joining us today. She is a well-known real estate figure. She's originally from Canada, uh, but she is now a trainer and a real estate influencer across North America. She has thousands of real estate agents who are her students. She's got a vast history working in real estate. She's worked as a retail uh, real estate agent. She's worked for developers. And Jess, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Welcome aboard. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That's a real pleasure. Um, so I know you're from Canada. Uh, I know yep. you're originally uh, in the Toronto area and you moved uh, away a short while uh, ago to a place that's quite a bit warmer than here. And uh, But tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you grew up in a real estate family and then yep. uh, you got your license and you had great, vast success working in real estate. So tell us a little yeah, bit about your so story. I um, I grew up with a mom in real estate. My mom got her real estate license when I was in kindergarten. So you can imagine I was the kid that, you know, before all the technology was, you know, driving around in the back of her car, playing with her Pearly's map book, um, waiting patiently while she ran in and out of whatever it is, whatever it was that she was doing. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in the industry, never thought I would go into real estate. Uh, my dad's a doctor and was also not scientifically inclined. So I had to figure out sort of what I was going to do. I went to University of Toronto. Um, like, you know, like Randy said, I'm from Toronto. Um, and when I was 21 coming out of school, my mom basically just, you know, the way that most people get into real estate, I think you'd be good at it. You should give it a try. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> That's the words that I heard. Anyways, yeah. I digress. Sorry. Yo, you should yeah, try so it. You'd be good at it. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And so I got my license. Um, I was very lucky because I learned, you know, I, because I grew up in the industry, I didn't have that initial learning curve that so many people have. Um, learned a lot from her. She was, she mentored me, but not in a way where she was giving me business. Mm. Um, and I built my business very differently than a lot of people did. I, you know, I started out at a, you know, a traditional training brokerage that was, you know, cold call, door knock, flyer, billboard. That 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 kind of route, yep. and I am um, I identify as extremely introverted, and at 21, I was no. okay, very shy, and I remember thinking, if this is how I have to do this and build this, then this industry is not for me. And so at oh. the time, there was this there was this brand new thing called Facebook, and I started playing around on the Facebook platform, and I built my business on Facebook. Uh, in 2005. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. That's not an easy thing to do to build a business on social media. It requires a lot of focus and a lot of what's the right word? Just repetition and and posting the right things, not just continually posting stuff. But I'm very that's impressive, really. So, okay, so Facebook got you started. Facebook okay. got me started and I, you know, I, I built a, a base and, and the, the biggest issue that I was having is I was mm. 21. I looked about 16 and everyone was telling me your sphere, your sphere, your sphere. I was like, my sphere is 21 years old and not buying and selling real estate. 
And this, the sphere that I have that is more qualified is also my mom's sphere. So who are these people going to use? Are they going to use me, who's 21, just got my license and doesn't know anything? Or are they going to use my mom, who has 30 years of life experience and 20 years of real estate experience on me right. at that point? Right. It's so obviously they were going to they were going to use my mom. So um, really, she became my my initial competition. And I remember thinking, I have to figure out how to do this and and go after people who don't know me. And that continued all the way through my business. Like I we had a rule even at the very end of my real estate career when I was selling um, my team, we had a rule. We didn't work with friends and family. Oh, interesting. OK, so many agents. Always, that's what. That's what, that's all they do. They sell two houses a year and it's to their uncle or their cousin or something. Yep. So that's good. So I always you, found that they were the worst, they were the worst clients. <laughs> well, I'm not, to, I'm not going to mention names here, but I, I sold a house once in East York to a close family member and it it was an interesting experience. That's all yep. I can say. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so we're yeah. on the same so I, yep. I, I built, I built my real estate business. I, um, Bought my first property pretty soon after that where I'm actually, we're, we'll talk about the market in a little bit, but like, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of it now in oh, okay. bad timing. Not the um, best. And we, yeah, I mean, I, I, I built a, I built a really great team that was very efficient. I, I've always traveled a lot. Um, I live in the Bahamas now, so I live on a small island in the Bahamas. I think when people think Bahamas, they think Nassau. I am definitely not in Nassau. I'm uh, I'm in Eleuthera, which is a small a small I, family island. I've heard of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we've been here for about two years. We absolutely love it. You uh, know, could not be yes, happier. Yes. Do you know what the temperature was here this morning? Minus oh, two. Oh, I talked to my mom. Minus two. <laughs> And it's going to plus, right now it's probably plus two. Oh, don't even. I call. think it's about 28 here don't, right now. Don't tell me that stuff. Oh my <laughs> God. Good for you though. That's great. Yeah. So we, we live right on the beach. Our, our lifestyle is very different than it, you know, than, than it was. Um, right. We spend a lot of time outside, a lot of time in the water. We have a very, very tight knit. I have closer, tighter knit friends who I see more regularly here than I ever did in Toronto. Interesting. The, the community here is very, very different and very special. Mm. And, um, but I travel a lot. I still travel a lot. I speak on stages all over the place. I'm flying to Austin on Friday. So, okay. you know, I'm, I'm in and out of the Island all the time, but when I'm here and I'm not working, I feel like I'm on vacation. Oh, wow. Well, that's great. And that's, I think the dream of many Canadians is to, is to move somewhere warmer. And now with the internet, you know, you can be a so-called digital nomad. I was talking to somebody Absolutely. a couple, couple of months ago. We were doing a, a, an interview and I noticed that it was daytime here and he was at nighttime. I said, where are you? He was in Bali, in Bali, Indonesia. Canadian mm -hmm. guy who moved down mm -hmm. there and that's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's working there well, remotely. We, we, we looked at Bali. We looked at Thailand. We, we, looked, we looked at the yeah. entire world before okay. we decided on here. Um, the Bahamas fit a certain criteria that we had perfectly. Okay. So that's why we ended up here. It wasn't Pretty, random. I can imagine. I can, that's a big decision. I know right now uh, a real estate lawyer is moving to Costa Rica. I know mm -hmm. another real estate guy who just moved to somewhere in Mexico, I think uh, Puerto Vallarta. People are moving mm -hmm. up because you can do this stuff now with the technology we have, which is Absolutely. amazing. So and I you see can, so you can run a real estate team in Toronto and still and be located somewhere else. Oh, 
show me how. Please show me how. <laughs> now, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about how you scaled your business. Basically, you put together a team. And that's something that a lot of agents have trouble with. That I, have, I personally had trouble with that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you get to a point. I mean, real estate's an interesting business where sometimes the tide comes in and sometimes the tide goes out. Um, yep. And they they tell you when you first get your license, and I'm sure you went through this and your mom probably told you the same thing, that they tell you all about the risks of failure. Like if you don't make some sales, if you don't make some deals, you're not going to be able to make that car payment. You're not going to be able to make that mortgage payment. You might not even have money for food. And many agents have run into that problem. But what they don't tell you when you get your license is that the problems of success and many agents that I know, some top producers all over the GTA, have run into the same thing. I was doing pretty well, not at your level, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. But there were some years when I was doing pretty good. And I thought at, at a certain point, you feel like you're just like a hamster on a treadmill. Yeah. And the phone, yep. ne it never stops ringing. And you never get a day off. And you're working 16 hours, 18 hours a day. And many agents I know, including some really pretty big names out there, uh, they just got tired of it after a while. It's like, you get, they get burnt out. They get burnt out. And then they I don't leave. want yeah. the phone to ring. And that's not a good attitude to have when you're in sales, yep. you know? Yeah. So how yep. did you, how did you make that transition to building a team when you first did that? Um, I, you know, the, the very first time I hit seven figures in, in income from real estate, I did it on my own as a single agent and it was you, probably the worst time of my life. You hit seven was, figures by yourself? Yeah. I um I was burnt out. I was unhappy. My yes. phone would ring and I would cry. <laughs> and so I had to figure out how I was going to actually like maintain this or scale it. And it didn't require a, a big team. I never had a big team. It was always like very lean and very efficient. But I think I did something that most people in real estate never do. And I thought and I used technology and I really yeah. went about things from an efficiency standpoint. So, you know, Tim Ferriss, who wrote the four hour work week, yeah. you know, he talks all the time about eliminate, automate, delegate. And so, so many people are taught in real estate from the big red book that you get to a certain level and then you hire. Right. And I financially that is not efficient anymore because cost of living is much higher than it was mm -hmm. at the time that was written. And we have all of this technology. So I think that there's so many agents out there who are paying someone $20, $30 an hour to do tasks and to do jobs that a piece of technology or a piece of, you know, or, you know, a system can do mm. for $20 a month. So what we did was we really focused on tech first. We automated and we created really great systems. And we, we really focused on how do we go one to many instead of one-to-one -one for everything. Once we created all, all of those efficiencies, we filled the holes, which is just the stuff that people need to be done human to human. Hmm. And that's really why we were so effective. Our marketing was always really, really strong. And at the end of the day, it really just became about, you know, having, I think at the very biggest that we ever were, we had four people on the team. That's it? Wow. Maybe five. Maybe wow. five, and only three of them were selling. Amazing. You know, there's a guy out here in Mississauga where I am who has 60 people working for him. Yeah. I just think it's inefficient. And and a lot of the time when you look at the numbers, when you look at the, when you actually look at the numbers, mm -hmm. I, I, I did an audit of, you know, this big famous team, whoever, who like, you know, they want to brag about their numbers and, and 
then I looked at how many people were on the team and I did some math, some just very basic math. And I was like, so every person on your team is only doing seven deals a year. Interesting. On average. Yep. And so wouldn't you rather have half the people on your team and have your team members doing 14 deals a year? Right. Doesn't that make more sense, not only from an efficiency standpoint, a human standpoint, but also in terms of like your your agents making enough money to be happy? Makes sense to me. Well, but it's not it's not the well, way that a lot of people go about it. They they grow and grow and grow and grow, and they yeah. don't necessarily have the systems or the business coming in to take care of the people that they're growing with. Right. Good point. Good point. Now, you also said I was reading your biography, uh, uh, hmm. a great article about you in Entrepreneur Magazine. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Uh, that you also got involved with pre-construction in a big way uh, some yeah. years ago. How did that turn mm -hmm. out for you? How did that work out and how did you get into it? I think that at the time uh, it was, you know, it was it was a, a time and a place, right? Okay. Like we, I was in Toronto. We I rode the wave, the pre-construction wave that you know that was there at the time. I think that there's so many people who don't look at the markets and don't make decisions based on opportunities, and that's all that it was. Is it was a limited time opportunity that existed at the time. We took advantage of it. We were successful with it. Um, but it's not something like, I think, I think that the people in real estate that do the best are the people who are innovating and staying ahead of things. And the majority of people in real estate are looking backwards and trying to copy what people who have been successful in the past have done, which is never going to work in the same way in the future. I and tell so you. a lot of it comes from innovation and being able to like stay ahead of what's happening. There are still a lot of trainers that are out there from the US and other places that are still teaching door knocking and cold calling. And it's it's the yeah. old way to do things and sending out yep. postcards. And uh, there are still agents that subscribe to that. I'm, I'm a little bit with you. I'm not a little bit. I'm 100% with you. Uh, although I'm a different generation. Uh, you, <laughs> you grew up with technology. I did not. I tell people when I first got my license in 1993, there was no internet. And they look at yeah. me like I'm some kind of freak from another era. I'm from the Jurassic era. But there wasn't. There was there was no windows. I, I remember think that I'm a little older than you think I am. Well, you look very young. You look very young. <laughs> but you grew up in it. And you're of that generation where, you know, to me, I didn't even think about uh, social media at all till the last few years, the last three or four years. It finally dawned on me like, hey, maybe I should get into this. Uh, it's yeah. not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, but if it's done properly, yeah, you're you're just magnifying those efforts. Uh, email marketing—that's another thing that it took me a long time to finally get a monthly newsletter. I was I was sort of dragged kicking and screaming into the present from uh, from the old ways of doing things. But uh, so, well, I think I think that you know, email is su is such a special platform too because it really is the only the only list that you own. Facebook can disappear. Like your Facebook followers can disappear. Your Instagram followers can disappear. Your TikTok followers can disappear. You can get banned from a platform. You can get hacked, but you own that email list. Yes, absolutely. I did a deal, uh, not to brag, uh, this year from somebody who I hadn't talked to in six years. They had come yep. through an, an open house at a condo in Humber Bay and they had signed in the sheet. And they were, they didn't speak much English. So I didn't really follow up with them. I just, I put them in the database. I've been sending him them uh, email newsletters every month for the past six years. They called me up. Hey, we, we want to sell our condo. And I couldn't even remember who they were. I had to look them up. Yeah. And I said, where yeah. did I meet? Do I know you? 
And they said, oh, yeah, we, we've been following your, your newsletter for six years now. I said, what? And we went through it. And then I kind of remember, I remember the condo. But there mm-hmm. you go. And we listed their place and it sold just like it's that. Typical so it, realtor. You remembered uh, the condo. I know. I know. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Actually, that brings up another point, which I think is really valid. You had me thinking today uh, in that interview that, um, and I think you're right, that women, and I don't want to sound out of like a Cro-Magnon here, but I believe women are better suited to real estate than men are. I'm going to say that as a man, that women seem to be more... Um, caring if that's the right word or more sympathetic men tend to just be and i came from a sales background before real estate where we made a sale we just moved on to the next one that was it It was a corporate job and it took me a long time to figure out that well maybe you don't want to be best friends with everybody but you need to be you can't but you need to establish some rapport and people like to know a little bit about you personally i know in your training and in your training i know i've touched a little bit upon it and Uh, that you do emphasize that personal touch where you need to open up a little bit and tell people your story because that's how they get to know you. Can you expand a little bit on that? I think it's impossible. It is. So, so human beings, when we're talking about psychology of marketing, right? Human beings make decisions emotionally before they make them logically. Yes. Right. We've all seen the, the client, we've walked into a house that ticks no bo- none of the boxes that they gave us. And they say, this is it because the emotional connection is there. And then we figure out how to make it logically make sense to back up the emotion. You're right. The emotional decision that's already been made. Yep. The same thing goes for any kind of decision. How can someone know you, like you and trust you if they don't know anything about you? That's true. That's a valid point. And I'll tell you, 95% of the agents out there don't even think about that. They don't even understand that. They're just posting stuff. I'm number one, just sold, just listed, sold over asking, that kind of stuff. But who is that person? Who is that person? How are you going to get to know that person so they're going to want to work with you? Well, Uh, I also think that there's an element of we forget. We get so ingrained in in like the deal that we forget about the psychology of why people move. People don't move because it's fun. People move because there's something in their current situation that's not serving them that they want to fix or alleviate with a move of location or a move of property type or like a financial shift. And when we understand what's driving your your client's moves, the the marketing messaging completely changes. And the way that we go about attracting those people also completely changes. Really good marketing. And I think that this is something that if I could bang this over every person in real estate's head, um, my and I got it in there, my my job's done and I would retire and you'd never hear from me again. But really, really good marketing is about is is not about your your ideal clients understanding you as a realtor. It's okay. about your ideal clients feeling understood by you. Your ideal clients feeling understood by you. Yeah. So it's being able to articulate what's in the back of your ideal client's head better than they can. When you can do that, they will. It automatically builds trust. It builds credibility. It builds authority, and there's a psychological, emotional connection that is created through that kind of marketing. And so, which is the reason why I don't teach just listed, just solds. It's the reason why I don't. I don't believe that we live in a world anymore in 2024, which we're essentially in, where showing people that you have business gets you more business. Plus and I, I are, think that it's a mistake that people are making. I think you're right. And I think people are so bombarded uh, these days 
Uh, mm -hmm. I know my, my inbox is just ridiculous. And the amount of stuff that you, you know, you go on any social media and it's so much spam, even LinkedIn. And it's the days. same stuff. Same stuff. Exactly. Over, over and, over. and over and over right. again. And I think, again, like what I said earlier, there's so many agents that are just copying yeah. what everyone else is doing that it's just, we've created an entire industry of noise. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that, but you're right. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of noise out there. Um, well, that's very interesting. And yeah, establishing rapport is a key in any sales process. And mm -hmm. uh, like it's a thing you mentioned at the beginning was that when you first started out, you said you look you you look like you were 16 and you had trouble establishing authority because people yeah. thought it was just a kid, right? Jess is just some kid. You know, we'll deal with her mom or we'll deal with someone older. I have the same problem right now, being my age, which is Jurassic Park. Uh, I have trouble dealing with millennials, for example. I just can't connect. I can connect with people who are 50 or 45, yep. 50. Easy, no problem. But for somebody who's in their 20s, there's just, there's a gap there. And some, sometimes I just give up, you know, it's, they're not going to relate Honestly, to me. And it's okay because, so. you know, so. you get to have a target demographic. And I think that we're, we're past the age where every agent works with every demographic, right? I, we're seeing people niche down in every industry now. Doctors, lawyers, I even, so I was in the States and I can make fun of this a little bit because, you know, I think mo most of, mostly who's listening to this are Canadian. So um, I was in the States and I'm dry. I'm in an Uber and I'm driving along the highway and you know what the States is like, right? There's personal injury, right. um, billboards everywhere, just everywhere. Right. And even the personal injury lawyers are niching down. I'm seeing Uber. Okay. Right. The Uber lawyer. So think about it. If I was in an Uber and I got in a car accident, who would I call the general real estate? Like the, sorry, the general um, well, slip and fall accident guy, or would I call the guy who specializes in right. essentially like compensation from Uber? I would call the Uber guy. This brings up another great topic in, in that there's so many realtors out there. You go on their website. We do Toronto. We do Mississauga. We do Markham. We do Pickering. I can help. You what? know what I say? I can help you buy, sell, rent, and invest from here to Timbuktu. And what that says is I don't specialize in anything. And I will take what I can get. Exactly. Exactly. I don't really know anything, but I'm out in every in everywhere that you care, can possibly name. Interesting. Yeah, which actually makes you, and I think that the intention of what people are trying to do is like not exclude anyone, but what they're doing instead by accident is saying, I'm desperate. Right. I don't have enough business. Right. And, you know, and, and you can take advantage of me and I'll probably discount. And there I think that- People just don't realize the message that they're putting out inadvertently. Boy, you're really good. You you could teach a course in psychology at a university. Honestly, I think you're right on the money. And there are other agents well, out there. It's what I teach. It's what I teach. <laughs> Everything that we do at the Listings Lab is all geared okay. around the psychology of marketing and how to create inbound relationships. <laughs> okay. Tell us a little bit about the <laughs> Listings Lab and how that works. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I founded the Listings Lab in 2018. And the, the intention behind it is it was, it's the program that I wish that I'd had. It would have set, it would have saved me time and money and frustration and burnout. Basically the, the premise behind it is it's a hundred percent digital. So it's all social media, email, and paid traffic. And everything that we do is geared around creating inbound business. 
So when I say inbound, I mean, it's 100% attraction marketing based. So it's how do I get someone from complete stranger to inbound client using psychology in an automated way? So it's all done through one to many platforms, social media, email, paid traffic. Um, it We also build out every physical and digital asset that you need in your business period and your unique value proposition, your service packages, your like it's everything because I think that there's so many things and so many holes in people's real estate businesses. If 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 I can't say to someone, what do you do? for your ideal client that no one else does and someone doesn't have an answer to that then we have a fundamental like business structure problem it's an interesting so, question especially yeah. when there's how many thousand agents in the gta there's yeah. like eighty thousand. and then people get upset people get upset they're like oh right. well i did this i did such a good job for sally and jim and then two years later they they bought and sold with someone else well the truth really is is then a lot of the time, the general public, and if you are the general public and you're listening to this, you can say, I agree or disagree. But the general public truly does believe that all real estate agents do exactly the same thing. And, it is and if that's true, then we don't, we don't inherently, we're not inherently creating value. Hmm. Let that one sink in. Let that one sink in. Because you're absolutely right. There's so many agents out there. And these days, nowadays in 2023, 2024, everybody knows an agent or two. Yeah. Maybe they're related to one. You know. It, so are you giving them a reason for them to use right. you and not their cousin? Exactly. And not just, well, I'll do it for less. Not, not that. Yeah. No, what? no, no. That's not. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, right? So if you've been watching the news in the States of what's happening with the National Association of Realtors in the States... Hmm. I think that there's, you know, they're saying that realtors in the States have been price fixing for years because there's standard commissions. And so, you know, if this comes to Canada and if, you know, commission rates start to fluctuate and vary, I actually think it's a good thing because in every other marketplace, there is Chanel and there is Walmart. And in real estate, there okay. is Chanel and Walmart, but everyone's charging the same price. And so I think that there's actually movement. There's 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 yes. room. For... I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you would say that. But no, you're <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. And and yes, and the very best, the very best realtors that are out there are not trying to be Walmart. They're not they're trying not. to be Walmart at all. And and nope. it's and they're just accepted. Of course, you're gonna it is what it is, right? If you're looking for the cheapest commission, I'm not for you. Now that's a and business that's okay. model. That's a business model that works for some people. Uh, Absolutely, most, there most is them, there is room in the market for both. They, don't, they usually don't last too long, but there is room for them. There's no question about that. But, and uh, they, so and, they and they're they're more focused. They're going to be more focused on volume. Exactly. So, Listings Lab is a course. It's an online course that you offer. I know you're offering it throughout North America. Yeah, and it's. It, I wouldn't even say it's a course. It's it a co more of like a training program. We okay. we teach agents essentially how to be proficient marketers okay. um, within the real estate space. So yes, there is like a step-by-step -step model, but every mm -hmm. single person who goes through the program has different messaging, a different avatar, different unique value propositions. So there's absolutely nothing in the program that's cookie cutter. Um, and... At the end of at the end of it all, the the whole intention of this is that you're building a seven figure business through inbound business generation. Very nice. 
Well, I can tell you one of the problems that I grapple with, even after 30 years, is just there's only so many hours in the day. There's just yep. only so many hours. And no matter how hard you want to work, there, you can only be in one place at a time. And if you're managing uh, six or seven social media platforms, and if you're you're managing a website and you're doing email and you're doing all the traditional stuff like open houses and whatever you're mm -hmm. going to do, uh, following up with all sorts of leads, whether they're referrals or past clients or whatever, um, there's only so many hours in the day. And that's the problem I've grappled with since 1993 is that you get you get to the point where you can't do it all by yourself. It's just almost impossible. Do you recommend uh, a real estate agent who gets busy like that to hire, for example, a social media manager? Does that make sense? No. Ah, okay. <laughs> Don't hold back. No, but I have so one. I'm a real, I am very much against anyone else creating content for your ah, business. Okay. This is the lifeblood and the message of your business. And people outsource the wrong things. I would rather you outsource your emails and your showings before you outsource the like the the, the brand that you are putting your all of your money into. Hmm. Um, I I also think that no one is you. So, you know the 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 brand, the message, the the voice, all of that is so important. Yes. Yeah. No. It absolutely is. Imagine, imagine if if I had had someone on my team come in and do this interview with you. Mm, good point. Good right? point. You want to deal with it that person. It has to be me. It has to be me. But yet, there's so many other things from a delivery standpoint. I have a team of seventeen. There's so many people that in the delivery of our programs that can do just as good a job or better than I can at what they're doing, but no one else can be me. Wow. So I think that when we, we, people in real estate, we outsource the wrong things. We, and, and then, and then we get upset that, oh, I've been spending $500 a month on this social media person. And they don't actually know anything about your ideal client, about your business, about your service package. They're creating generic marketing or templated things on Canva and throwing them out there and expecting that they're going to create attraction. It's, it's actually impossible. So a lot of the time, what we're what when we're thinking about efficiency, again, eliminate, automate, delegate. So, can it be automated? Well, a tremendous amount, especially with a with with like the new AI stuff, like social media schedulers, all of those things. I I suggest that an agent spends an hour or two a week on social media creation yep. and scheduling. That's it. Oh wow. And if you have a system that you're following and you become really good at it, that's all it takes. So, you know, that becomes prospecting time that is only two hours a week as opposed to what traditional people have been teaching people, which is three hours a day. Exactly. So it's actually far more time efficient. Hmm. And and then on hmm. top of that, you know, I we always do this audit of what are you spending your time on in terms of like, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was at an event and I met uh, I met one of the 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 CEO of two of the biggest mindset coaching companies, not in real estate, but two of the biggest mindset coaching companies in the coaching industry. Period. He's the CEO of both companies, and he said, "I gave myself a challenge, and I had to run both." Of, I, he called it the four by four. He had four hours a day, four days a week to run both companies, and nothing wow. changed. That's how inefficient people are. If you oh. don't have a lot of time, they, you know, you know, have you ever heard the saying, like, if you want something done, give it to a busy person? 
No, but that's a good one. I like that. Right. And I think a lot of it comes down to efficiency and using time really effectively. I mean, I have a house manager. I've had a house manager for years. People are like, oh, that's such a luxury. I can't afford that. I can't afford not to have one because my time is worth a certain amount per hour. My brain is is focused on certain things in biz, in my business and also helping other people's businesses. Imagine if I took an hour of every single, a useful hour of every single day and I'm not resting or I'm not creating and I'm vacuuming or doing the laundry or grocery shopping. Cooking, yeah, all that kind of stuff. All of that. So right. our house, my house manager, who's here right now, which is why I'm in this booth, is she manages everything in the house. Wow. You are totally focused. I'm telling you, Jess. Just totally, total focus on what's important. And the rest of the time when I'm not working, I'm at the beach and I'm I'm in the pool and I'm paddleboarding and I'm don't tell me that. Okay, the interview's (laughs) over. Forget it. No, that's so great. So you have no regrets moving to Bahamas. You're very happy after two years. Absolutely, absolutely not. And and so, you know, for the Canadians listening to this, I don't pay taxes anymore. What? Wow. So there's no income tax in Bahamas? Really? No income tax, no corporate tax. Oh my. Okay, that does it. <laughs> so you, again, though. as a Canadian, as a Canadian who built my businesses in Canada, right. It was it was also a strategic decision in terms of how am I going to create how am I going to like what does the next level of scale look like? Mm-hmm. And what is the most efficient way that I can create capital? And it was to stop paying so much tax oh don't even get me started don't (laughs) even you you know this you grew up here so you know um okay so that's very interesting very interesting do you find it i know you got a lot of american customers as well do you find there's a difference between okay so do you find a difference between canadian real estate agents and american real estate agents in terms of their acceptance to some of the ideas that you have very powerful ideas do you find that canadians are different than their american uh, counterparts I find that Canadians are less Americans are are less risk averse. Absolutely. That's my, yeah. my limited experience, but absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we find that Americans are far more willing to take risk, yeah. far more willing to invest in themselves and their business. That's true. Um but the Canadians who do succeed faster than the Americans who do. Interesting. Because interesting. there's less competition. Okay. Well, and we can talk a little bit about, I know your time is limited today, but we can talk a little bit about the market today. I don't know if that's, yeah. if that's appropriate, yeah. but uh, uh, you're, I'm sure you're aware that the market up here has changed radically in the last two yep. years. We've had 10 interest rate increases. You know, we had those practically 0% mortgages. I, 1% have a, I, have a, I have a house in, in King City that is on a floating rate. Trust me, I am highly aware. It's like double or triple what it used to be, right? And yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of pain in the market right now. A lot of the younger agents I look around, I think, well, because they've never seen nothing like it. They can't believe it. Uh, yeah. When I started, they were still recovering from the big crash in 1989. You can ask your mom yeah. about that one. And yeah. I started in '93, and it took another three years to uh, 1996 before it finally turned around again. But mm-hmm. we're in a situation now where the prices are so high. I talked to some yeah. American people too on the podcast. They cannot even believe it. I show them I pictures of, of houses that are like 1.3 million. They're going, what? 
Yeah. Because where they are, you can buy a much bigger, beautiful property for 300. And I know I'm going, well, you know, it's, it's a problem of success. I mean, everybody, everybody likes Canada. Everybody likes to move here. It's a safe haven. Supposedly it's not for the weather. That's for sure. But, um, <laughs> but so we've had this, we've been on a tear basically for a number of years and, uh, but people were buying recklessly and uh, we've, we've been saying it for a long time. Now it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Guess what? It wasn't sustainable after 10 nope. interest rate increases. Now people on variable rate mortgages and people on fixed mortgages coming up for renewal are in a, a whole world of trouble. So the banks are yep. doing some things. They're extending amortizations behind the scenes for renewals, trying to help out uh, a lot of trouble in pre-construction right now too, because a lot of people Tons went out there, they bought, they, they, they put the down payments on a HELOC and they didn't even worry about, can I possibly close? And of course they can close or they'll sell it on assignment. Everybody had these rose colored glasses on that everything was going to be fine for another Guilty. 20 years. Guilty. Okay. And you know, so it's, it's interesting that you say that I was in Toronto last week and um, my best friend is in real estate in Toronto yeah. and she has a lease listing from okay. someone who bought pre-construction right. in a building that currently there are 150 units for lease. And 60 other two bedrooms. And wow. and will those will those fill? Absolutely. Are they gonna fill overnight? Absolutely not. Right. And I think that the expectations of what people, especially investors, what they what they were experiencing, and now I think that we're we're more into what's more common in other places in the world that like you don't rent a unit overnight with multiple offers right. that you know people people are having to reduce the rents on things it's the, the power dynamic has just shifted because the market has shifted and i think that i think that a lot of agents gave a lot of really bad advice and i think a lot of agents for a, a number of years have been kind they of belittling the fact that some people thought that we were in a bubble oh and, yeah oh yeah there's pushback for sure but i yeah, was guilty you know, there's no bubble there's no bubble there's no bubble well to there's, a certain extent there was always a bubble it's true and now i was kind of in that camp where don't worry about it we're going to be okay because there's always doom and gloomers i've seen doom and gloomers for the last 30 years saying oh you know it's it's over the canadian economy is going to fall apart and those guys were kind of marginalized after a while but we are at a point now where something's got to give. There's no question about it. Uh, I don't know about King City, but there's out here in Mississauga or places like Brampton, house prices are down about 20% since yep. from the peak. That's a yeah, big and, hit. And this, is, this is the time where, you know, we're seeing what a 38% increase in listings. And you are well informed. All right. We, well, we, yeah. we should That's not exactly be, right. we should not be selling if we can afford not to sell. I have um I have a home that in like I said in King City that I bought and renovated before my husband and I made the decision to move to to move to the Bahamas. Right. And you know, we put a lot of money in it, into it because we thought we were renovating it for us. Sure. And I have my my family's in it. Because and you know, what we decide to do with it in 5 years, I don't know. But I certainly wouldn't sell it right now. It's, I think we're going to eventually, we're going to muddle through this some way, but uh, there's a lot of, of people course, say, we always oh, do, but they're saying, this is the market. but there's a lot of people out there go, Oh, agents are saying, Oh, the interest rates are going to come down March or April. But you just want, I don't know about that. I don't know about that because I think that relying on it is dangerous. I agree. 
I agree. Let's wait till it happens. And then we can decide. Then the market's going to pop because there's still a lot of demand out there. But nobody but at the- just like just like no. any other time and any other, you know, they the, the line that I love to use is the most millionaires in history were created during the Great Depression. It's true. And I think that there's a tremendous for, for those people who are willing to innovate and who are willing to take risk right now, there is a tremendous amount of opportunity. But you can't sit on your hands and you also can't copy what everyone else is doing. There is a tremendous and, and I said this I said this to someone last week. The most the most competition that there will ever be in any industry is to, is is the middle. There is so much competition to be mediocre, but there is so yeah. little competition at the very top. So instead of trying to think about how can I be mediocre, if you really start to think about and the, the number of decisions that that you or the number of options that you have change dramatically as well. Right. I just think that there's there's also a lot of people in the real estate space. And I and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love this industry. I've dedicated my whole life to it. But there's a lot of people in real estate who trade in a nine to five to create another job for themselves and they're not inherently entrepreneurial. It's so true. That is so true. Jess, you've given us a lot to think about today. And I'm going to put your contact information underneath the video Wonderful. here on YouTube and yep. also on the podcast. So that's listing lab. Is it listinglab.com or what's what's the, uh, the URL? It's the listings lab here. It's www.thelistings with an S lab, lab.com. Um, okay. And if you, I think the other kind of best place to find me would be uh, Instagram okay. at Jess Lenavelle. You got it. It's going to be Perfect. on. For sure. Fabulous. So listen, thank you so much for taking time out. I'm absolutely jealous that it's 28 degrees there and it's minus two here. That's just- You that's, can visit me anytime. I'll be careful what you promise. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Eleuthera, but we could we could work that out. So no, it's a real pleasure talking to you. You're welcome to come back on the podcast anytime you like. No problem Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Okay. Have a great day, Jess, and we'll talk again. You soon. too. Sounds Bye. good. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.